You're listening to The Talent Bubble, the podcast for HR, talent acquisition, and people ops practitioners to learn the tactics, tools, and techniques their peers use every day. We'll hear how they navigated their careers, learn about exciting projects they're working on, and get advice about working in the field. Learn more about The Talent Bubble at www.thetalentbubble.com. I'm your host, Brian Mooney. Today's guest in The Talent Bubble is Sarah Magner. Sarah is a technical recruiter at HubSpot. We talked about the importance of honest communication throughout the candidate journey, viewing your career as a legacy, and so much more. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Sarah Magner. My name is Sarah Magner. Um, I'm a technical recruiter at HubSpot, and I manage our software engineering hiring process. So from an entry level up to like three, four years experience, they come through me. You know, obviously you didn't go to school to become a technical recruiter, so. I did not come to school to be a recruiter. It's not what I started college for. Um, I'm happy I found it. I had an interesting journey through college. Um, I never really thought I would go, to be honest. So. I went. Um, was that the parents that made you go or um, friends? Or? There was a lot of parental influence, but it was a big push from my grandmother, actually. So oh, really? very, very close family, um, specifically with my grandmother when I was younger. But kind of as I've grown, that's developed. We don't have to get into that. But yeah, hugely influenced to go to school for my grandmother. Um, what I studied was like a lot of back and forth. So I went in thinking that I wanted to manage bands. Like that was my life goal the only like wow. plan i ever really had was to manage musicians i love music i'm a diehard music fan um and then when i was in college i started to really learn a lot about food and sustainability and that was a really big focus for me for a while so i actually thought i was going to run my own farm and that's still kind of my end plan um i want to continue to work really hard and always have a really good job, but be able to retire like mid to late fifties, maybe early sixties, have okay. a bed and breakfast, fully sustaining self run farm. Like that's like my retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> so never stop working, which is, uh, definitely how I got into recruiting. So, um, kind of came full circle. I do feel like in a way I'm managing talent. Um, so that's really fun, but mm. I think after college, I realized farming was never going to pay the bills for me, um, but I knew that I really needed to make money. I put myself through college, uh, and I was willing to work really hard. So I reached out to a friend from school who was working at Aerotech, and he was a commercial recruiter there, so doing like their manufacturing placements. Mm. Um, and he actually reached out to me and was like, you would be a great recruiter. You should come into Aerotech and apply. Oh. Um, so as we were talking about before, um, I lived in Central Mass for a while, and I was really itching to get out of Central Mass. Um, <laughs> so I found a job at Aerotech uh, just outside of Boston, just north of Boston. Um, it is an incredible place to start your career, I think. Um, but the agency recruiter life was not really for me. Okay. Um, it's a grind, which I loved, but there's something really special, I think, about being part of like one specific company and driving that mission forward and having an actual impact. I learned a lot about you know building a legacy at Aerotech, and the best way to do that is to find a long-term home, I think, mm. for yourself. So I left Aerotech in February of 2018. Um, and then I started at a startup called Hop Jump in Kendall Square. It's a startup launched out of the Kogo Labs incubator. Um, I worked there for about a year and then sort of felt like I hit a ceiling in a way there, like in terms of my own growth and where I could go 
for the future, uh, but I knew I wanted to stay in-house. And HubSpot has kind of always been like my number one dream job. Um, <laughs> I think I applied to HubSpot probably four times before I got an interview. Oh, wow. um, I just was always reaching out to the recruiters on LinkedIn, trying to build connections. I had some, luckily, um, who were able to give me just a lot of insight, but mm. they weren't hiring recruiters at the time. Those recruiters weren't leaving, which I guess is a good problem to have, but they had an opening. Um, I wasn't really looking, but it was there and it was perfect. So I went for it and it moved so quickly. It was perfect. I applied on a Monday. I had a video interview with my manager out of Dublin on Friday. The following Monday, I came on site for an interview. And then that Friday, I had an offer. Wow, that is fast. On site in Dublin or here? In here, Cambridge? here. So my manager is out in Dublin, but uh, the majority of my team is here in Cambridge. Okay. Um, there is two of us here in Cambridge and then one is out in Dublin in terms of the recruiters and then our team lead is out in Dublin as well but we have the global team lead of recruiting is here in Cambridge so gotcha. we're kind of all over the place but um, it works out really well yeah super nice I want to back it up to hop jump for a second <laughs> when you said that you you found that role and you were leaving Aerotech how did that come about I and mean, was that just an online search or did someone reach out to you or what that look like the position at hop jump yeah um yeah I think I found I found it on my own. Um, I actually applied and interviewed at Kogo Labs first, okay. which is the incubator space that launched HopJump um, and EverQuote, Minerva, all those different little companies. Um, and I didn't end up getting the position at Kogo Labs, but they referred me to HopJump. Um, I think at the time, what I really wanted was the opportunity to build something mm-hmm. um, and have a really meaningful impact. And I think the role at hop jump was better suited for what I was looking for at that time. Um, which is why I went there, but I still worked really closely with Kogo labs. Um, as you know, Brayden and Brayden and I worked really closely together on getting the Kogo spectra started, which is their ERG for the LGBTQ community. Um, and we worked on that really closely together for the last year or so. Um, we built that up and it was kind of a good way to of bringing all the little Kogoverse companies together under the same roof of yeah, Kogo and yeah. kind of all committing to, you know, diversity and inclusion. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and what was your kind of focus there? Because I know there was, you know, a couple other people working with recruiting as well. Were you specifically focused on tech recruiting or, or technical recruiting? Yes, at Hopjump, I was. Yeah. Um, so my team was me, my manager, and we had a recruiting coordinator. Okay. Um, for the most part, I actually did a lot of the analyst hiring. Um, and then my manager, like we split it between analyst hiring and engineering hiring. Oh, okay. So my manager, Nate, um, he would do a lot of the engineering hiring. We weren't doing a ton of engineering hiring at the time. It was more like engineering leadership okay. that we were looking for. So I would just crank out on the analyst roles and he would focus on engineering, but we definitely swapped all the time and, you know, helped each other out dabbling and sourcing together. That sort of yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, um, when you said that you kind of felt like you hit a ceiling there, what, what was it that you wanted to do that you felt like you couldn't do there? That's a great question. Um, I think, more of like high volume recruiting. I, I missed a little bit from the agency side of things. Um, having tons of recs like all the time is really great. Whereas at Hop Jump, it was more like a specialized focus. Um, I think I learned so much from Hop Jump. I just wasn't sure where my like long term career path was going to be there. Yeah. Um, based on the structure, like coming into it, 
Um, and then again, like HubSpot was just like my dream job for the last, I don't know, I've been a recruiter for four years, so probably 3.75 years. <laughs> so, I mean, how did that, what is it about HubSpot that kind of made you aspire to work here? Um, it's a really, really funny story, actually. So my first manager at Aerotech, um, I now looking back on it, I think maybe she was interviewing here, but she came back <laughs> from a meeting, uh, quote unquote meeting with a client and came back and said, you're doing great here. And I know you are happy, but you would be so good at HubSpot. And uh-huh. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> what is HubSpot? <laughs> um, so I did research and obviously the first thing I found was our culture code, which like you should definitely check out if you yeah. haven't seen it already. The but infamous slide deck, yeah. Yeah, it's 128 slides. It's um, an attempt to codify our culture. It's something that every time I look at it, I think it might be a little bit different. Um, mm. But it's just an incredible document that for most people, I think that's like their first biggest attraction to HubSpot is like the culture part and all mm. of that. Um, but then as I was being extremely persistent to get here, I started learning more about the people that are actually here. Um, so my first conversation with a with a HubSpotter was Gus Brewer, who is, we were talking about him before, but he's the global um, manager for all of tech recruiting. And mm-hmm. he sits here in Cambridge. He was a personal friend of my manager at the time. So oh. uh, kind of circled up with him. He's an awesome guy to get to know. He was an awesome recruiter to work with at the time. So I knew that they had great people working here. And then uh, just you know, I mean, we know each other from LinkedIn, so <laughs> you yeah. like start following people on LinkedIn right, and yeah. seeing like how much uh, they're posting about working here, like learning from Brian and Darmesh and Katie, watching their keynote speeches before mm-hmm. I started here, learning everything I could about recruiting from a company that I admired before getting here. Mm-hmm. Um, so just doing that research and like really knowing what I was looking for by the time I joined here, I think is what drew me to HubSpot. But there's a million things that go into that equation. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you reach out to anyone like in other departments at all, like maybe departments that you'd want to like recruit for or anything like that? Um, I did reach out to engineers. I didn't necessarily get a ton of responses because I think they just see recruiter and different company and they ignored me. So um, I didn't talk to engineers, unfortunately. Um, I did reach out to somebody on the culture team that I had a really good conversation with. But yeah, I, th- I think mostly sticking with recruiting and, and trying to find a recruiter that would uh, talk to me and think of me when there was a recruiting position that yeah. came available. And luckily I did. I found Gus. And uh, I think actually I had applied to the role, but when Martin, who's my manager, reached out, he said, you know, I got your application, but Gus told me to follow up. So I think having that initial conversation, even though it didn't get me somewhere right away, it helped when it was the time was right. Yeah, I mean, that's important, you know, the networking and kind of that human connection is... It's why I do what I do. Human <laughs> connection is... makes the world go around. Yeah. Um, looking back sort of on on your career, I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, it's it always seemed like going into technical recruiting or engineering and recruiting for those positions seemed like you needed a lot of experience to be in those roles, but how do you get the experience if you're not in it doing it? So... How did you kind of end up in that path and, and sort of focusing on some of those analysts and engineering types of positions or technical positions? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I don't know that I have the perfect answer for it because mm-hmm. I do think I got extremely lucky at Aerotech. Okay. Um, again, I think Aerotech is an incredible place to start your career, especially if you're 
a recent college grad who doesn't really know what they want long term, but you know mm. that you're willing to work hard and you want to make decent money. <laughs> um, so that was really like my intent going into recruiting. I was lucky to be randomly placed on the engineering team. Okay. Um, when I started at Aerotech, um, within my first month there, uh, the way that my team was split up was a, across two different offices and there were four managers across the two offices, two in each office. Okay. Um, by the end of my first month, all four man- or all th- three of the four managers had quit and two of the recruiters had been moved off of engineering. Wow. So I was like a standalone engineering recruiter without <laughs> a manager in an office for about six months before my long-term manager, Kara Clark, shout out to Kara Clark. Um, she came from, she's a longtime aerotech person um, and she had relocated back to LA and then kind of come back to Boston. So Honestly, I got really lucky in that sense, Um, but it is really hard to jump into something like engineering, especially in an agency capacity, because you don't have the face time that you do with hiring managers like I do, let's say here. Mm. I can walk into a meeting with hiring managers and they know me, like they know who I am as a person. And then it gives me more of an opportunity to be vulnerable and say, hey, I do not understand this. Um, Can you break this down to me in simple terms? Or can you give me pretty much like sound bites of like, how do I come across like I know what I'm saying? Um, And then it's just like practice from that point, you know, is having the conversations. And um, I think one thing, you know, that I've learned throughout my recruiting career is vulnerability is so important, Um, whether you're talking about it from like a a client perspective of like managing those people and, and telling them what you know and what you don't know. And the same goes for like your stakeholders internally or, or the candidates that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell my candidates like, hey, if you're getting too far into the weeds, I'm going to be the first person to pull you out. If I don't understand what you're saying, I'm going to let you know that. So like, please feel free to go talk about your projects and I will chime in when I need extra clarification and kind of like letting people talk and then asking a lot of questions. But it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of continued conversations, a lot of vulnerability, <laughs> telling people what you don't know. Yeah. And I guess that process too of, you know, letting people talk and kind of hearing what they have to say helps you, that helps you learn more yeah. about it as well, right? Yeah. And note-taking. I'm big <laughs> on note-taking. <laughs> I take tons of notes. So what do you, what do you use for that? Is there? OneNote. Oh, OneNote? I love okay. OneNote. I do. I, um, I make a to-do list every single day. I'm very serious about to-do lists. Um, Checklists are my favorites. Um, So, yeah, I have a notebook that I write in every morning. That's how I keep myself organized. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Checklists for days. I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was was thinking a little bit more about how big, like, how big HubSpot is compared to your last company. Can you talk a little bit about the transition going from what was HopJump, like, 60, 80, something like that? Hop jump was about fifty people. Fifty okay. when I left. Um, yeah, it's like the craziest transition I've had. <laughs> um, 
that I think is one of it's it's the biggest thing I'm learning about right now is, okay. um, you know, in, in an agency setting, you have clients that give you requirements and then you go back to your desk and you fill those requirements. Right. And at HopJump, it was a lot more of just like ad hoc hiring, like, hey, we could use this head or, you know, this is the type of person we're going to need in the future and, and building up a pipeline to be able to like meet those needs. Whereas here, it's a lot more of actually planning ahead of headcount and where are these people going to go and looking, you know, at your funnel um, and trying to see, you know, where you could adjust or be better. Uh, it's a, a lot more of that. Um, so more process, I think, coming to a big place like HubSpot. But it's a really fun challenge to be learning. So how does that work? Are you just getting like the numbers like, hey, here's what you're going to have for the next six months, 12 months, whatever it is. And then figuring out ways to execute on that, or is that more of a collaborative process between you and the managers and, and departments that you support? It's a really collaborative process. Um, I think there's so many people involved in it. Okay. Um, the way that they do, like break it out, you know, it is by year. So then from that point, it's figuring out, okay, what's the right timing? What teams are going to need this? Where are we expecting the most growth? Hmm. Um, and then also trying to calculate and you know attrition uh which you know happens um and planning for that how do you plan ahead for people leaving that you don't know that they're gonna leave in q3 you know so how do you get ahead of that um again it's the newest thing in my whole career so i'm sure there are better people to answer that question for you but that's from my perspective is a very much collaborative process engineering leadership recruitment leadership hubspot leadership yeah no that's great yeah I knew we were walking with one of your partners. He said you work with uh, very closely today. Um, what about sourcers? I mean, do you work with them on a daily basis? Like, what's that process look like for you guys? Uh, we pretty much do our own sourcing really? for the most part. Yeah, we did have when I first started, I started at HubSpot back in August. Um, and we had some sourcers coming at that time. Um, I think they were here on like a contract basis, though, for some big projects to push through to the end of the year. Um, but yeah, we do almost all of our own sourcing it's kind of surprising with the size like i figured there would be a dedicated team for that. <laughs> yeah the good thing is is that our team has done an incredible job and i don't mean recruitment necessarily but more of our hubspot team has done mm-hmm. an incredible job of building a brand that attracts people um so we do get a ton of inbound applications which okay. is awesome and um you know the people that work here love working here and they refer their friends which is probably the best way to, to source. So there's lots of different ways that we find candidates. We also host tons of events. We have people come here all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also just like the inbound methodology, right, is provide value before you start extracting it. Yeah. So inviting people to come here and then actually getting you know, some networking FaceTime where you're not talking about recruiting. It's not like, hey, I want to pull you out of your job. Thanks for coming to this event at HubSpot. It's like, no, thanks for coming to this incredible event. We had so much fun meeting you. If you ever, you know, would like to consider a role at HubSpot, here's my name, here's my number, whatever the case may be. So um, following that inbound. Yeah, the relationship kind of recruiting, right? Yeah. Building a relationship in that way. That's yeah. Good. I mean, again, that's that's why I'm a recruiter is like I love people. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. Networking events is not my time to shine. Why? Do you, why? I am an introvert. Oh, like a serious introvert. That's interesting. <laughs> so I'm also a little bit of a nervous talker. So if somebody approaches me at a networking event, I will talk their ear off. Okay. 
stage five clinger you just talk to that one person and i not would never network. call myself no. a stage five clinger <laughs> ever that is not who i am uh but i am a nervous talker okay all the time in all aspects of my life gotcha. so okay i don't get nervous on interviews anymore because i've done about five million of them yeah, in the last right. five days it feels like so <laughs> <laughs> what kind of tools are you using for recruiting here um do you mean like actual technical yeah, like, tools yeah like platforms or like software or just even like other things that you find helpful to like do your job on a daily basis yeah um we do we use greenhouse um as our ats uh we do a lot of sourcing on linkedin of course um there's some other internal tools that we use for just like keeping track of things like that i think almost every recruiter like kind of has the same tools right it's like you have a laptop you have a linkedin account and you have a website to take inbound applications you have an applicant tracking system to move those people through the process mm. um i think it's more about how you equip yourself as a recruiter like what are your personal tools um and i think that is what makes a like a regular recruiter an amazing recruiter okay. um so i think for me something i learned as like a child is your word is your bond. Uh, so following up, even when there's not an update, I think a lot of recruiters shy away from that. And it's like, oh, I, I don't want to tell you that I have nothing to tell you. It's like, no, if you tell somebody that you're going to call them on Wednesday, you have to call them on Wednesday or email them on Wednesday and say, hey, I, I don't have any update for you. This is my next expectation. So mm. I think that's important. Like following up is so important. Um, setting clear expectations I think that was also something really hard for me to learn in the beginning. Um, you kind of want to like promise, 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 because there is like a sales aspect to recruiting, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the actual worst thing you could do. It ends up being a waste of time for everybody involved, right? If you pump somebody up and you say, you have all the skills, you you just interviewed perfectly with me and, and there's nothing you could do better, like give people actionable feedback, let them do better. Um, I think those are the tools as a recruiter that, make you like from a good one to a really good one where did you where did that come from for you is it something that you learned from early on maybe learned from your mistakes <laughs> there for sure have been times where i've over promised under delivered or not been as transparent as i could have and it ends up it bites you in the ass like it makes my job harder in the end um mm. there have been times you know where like you feel especially you know for me it was in an agency setting where you don't know every single thing about the client as much as you like try to know. So sometimes when someone would ask you a question, you know, especially me, like 22 years old, first job, just trying to grind and make the commission. Like yeah. I, I didn't know sometimes and I was scared to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I would happy to go find out for you. Now I do it all the time. Mm. Um, I'm happy to tell people like, Hey, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think it's, something I can find out for you and, and follow up where I think that's a question that would be better answered by an engineer. So just being again, like upfront about what you don't know. Do you have any systems around? Do you have to do like a follow up Friday or something like that where you sit down four hours and start responding to people or I don't have a system like that where, no. um, it's like, you know, I follow up on Friday. That's like, I love that. I love alliteration. So. I don't know where I stole it from. But it definitely did not come from follow up Friday. Sounds else. great. Um, <laughs> that might be Kogo actually. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard that at Kogo, but, um, I'm sorry. What was your question? <laughs> How do you, so I think a lot of people would say like, that's an ideal state. Like you follow up with everybody when you say you're going to and, yeah. and kind of be honest, but how do you 
with especially with the volume that you might be dealing with, how do you keep track of like this one candidate in an application of, you know, maybe how many, I mean, hundreds, right? For maybe a particular job. Yeah. How do you remember to follow up with that one candidate that you talked to on Monday morning when it's now Friday and you said you gotcha. would follow up with them? Um, I, first, I live and die by my calendar. Every single thing is okay. in my calendar. I think one thing I've learned a lot over the last year and, and I'm still learning is like, world has changed so much we have so much technology available Mm -hmm. like use it to your advantage um so that is definitely how i i do it there's also tools in greenhouse like again using the technology you have to your advantage there's tools Mm -hmm. in greenhouse to set reminders for yourself to follow up with people um i yeah i I try and put every single thing in my calendar that's one way um another thing that i do is at like midpoint there's always like a midpoint of the day for me Mm -hmm. um where I have like a little bit of a break and I'll go through my calendar from, so today's Thursday. So today I went through my calendar from last Thursday and I made sure that every single person that I talked to last Thursday had been followed up with by now. So it's a week's time today, making sure that there hasn't been over a week's worth of lack of communication from my part. So that's one way of just, again, living better. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. But I do like follow up Fridays. Yeah. I mean, if you block off a couple hours, even if you do it with a couple of your other recruiters, like get them all in a room Mm -hmm. and say, next two hours, we're following up with candidates or something like that. Yeah. What's something right now that you're working on that you're pretty excited about? Honestly, like what I'm genuinely excited about is being part of a company that I believe in. Um, Like I believe in the mission. I believe in the product. I believe in the other people around me. So I'm really excited to go to bed at night. And sleep really well knowing that I'm bringing people into a company that I truly think is the best place for them and their career. Um, You know, I have felt that in the past and like to some degree, but it's like when you when I when I came here, like it was a different level of like, wow, this place like you should want to work here. Um, I think that's what attracted me so much to HubSpot, too. Like in the beginning, obviously, there's like lots of different aspects as a recruiter, like I've been a Boston engineering recruiter for four years. Like I knew this is the place that engineers wanted to be. Like, mm. why wouldn't I want to be at the place where all the people I'm trying to hire want to be? <laughs> like, <laughs> I wanted to be here. So yeah, I'm excited about just genuinely believing in the company, the product and the people. Um, I'm sleeping a lot better now. Do you have any advice for someone who is like trying to start their career in recruiting? Maybe there you, you know, what was it like four years ago or whatever it was? Yeah, I think if you want to make the switch from, let's say, non-technical recruiting to technical recruiting, uh, I think it definitely like starts with the vulnerability piece. Um, like you have to be honest about what you don't know, um, and that really makes such a difference. Um, and the other thing that I I definitely learned early on was just like be a sponge, like surround yourself with people that inspire you and take pieces from everyone and make it your own um that was a really cool part of being in an agency is like you work on a floor with 80 other recruiters and you're listening to everybody on the phone you pick and take little pieces of things that sound good coming out of other people's mouths and you make it your own so like be a sponge that's super important be honest about what you don't know be vulnerable um and you know i mean i think something else is like and i don't know if this is going to help you go from being a non-technical recruiter to a technical recruiter but 
it kind of goes in hand in hand with like being a sponge like you also want to build a legacy right like that's something really cool i think about being a recruiter is like you have to believe in the people that you're hiring um because if you leave that company like that's those are like the artifacts like those that's your legacy like that's what you're leaving behind um and the same goes for like the people that you work around like you're help develop the people around you um you can't just like ask teach me how to be a tech recruiter like give and take you know teach me something too. um help other people be successful and they'll want to help you be successful too yeah um i love the looking at your kind of career and the way you kind of move as like a legacy i don't think i've ever really thought about it yeah i think that's a guiding principle from aerotech that i just remembered from 2016 so yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's one of their <laughs> their guiding <laughs> principles as uh, to to build a legacy. But it, it's true, and I like, never ever forgot that. Um, you know, like I said, the the candidates that you hire, they become the employees. Like, you know, there are people at Hop Jump, and that's a, I think a great. I do feel like I maybe left a legacy. I hope I did at Hop Jump. Like, um, I hired great people there that I genuinely believe in, and I think they are the best people that I could have found for that company for those roles. Um, I do feel like I left a legacy in terms of, you know, the ERGs that I set up there or the branding stuff that I tried to do there. Um, and hopefully that's things that they can continue to use moving forward. And I, I think just in terms of, you know, like providing mentorship, like that's something that's super important to me. So Mm. build out a mentorship program there. Um, so like being a mentor, but also seeking out mentors and, you know, it's like more of the vulnerability piece is like you have to tell people what you don't know and rely on experts who do know more yeah. than you uh, going there long term. Okay. Do you, I mean, in in terms of that, do you get involved with like any of the employer branding? I know there's like a team obviously here, but do you work with them on, you know, making sure you have kind of materials that you can try to no, I, I don't work directly with employer branding. I think employer branding does an incredible job at giving me resources that I can then give to my candidates. Um, so they just provide like tons of awesome content for recruitment um, to be able to like then get it out to the candidates. Okay. Um, so that's how I, I work with branding. Um, not I'm not like doing any any branding or anything gotcha. like that, okay. which is completely out of my realm. Uh, <laughs> it was an awesome opportunity to have. I learned so much from it, but I'm definitely more of a recruiter than a marketer. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I like people. <laughs> I like people. So I like attracting them to really good companies. And however that has to happen. I'm good with it. Um, But I think if I were to be in like an all branding role or an all marketing role, I would probably miss like some of the FaceTime that I get with the candidates. Um, And I think they're also um, one one thing that I think is a lot harder about. I mean, there's a lots of differences between our jobs, but I think it's really hard to write articles about the engineering team versus like talking the jargon. Right. It's like Mm. you're talking a lot about engineering theories and ideas and things like that whereas like writing about it i think is so much harder and writing about it on a huge platform is really intimidating so i don't know that i could do that (laughs) and i've been you know um i want to get better at things like public speaking and like writing more on linkedin and like having a bigger presence there i think it's an awesome tool uh but i don't know if i could write branding articles 
um, and then put them on the whole blog for you know four million people to see uh the slide deck like mm. that's just way too much pressure for me <laughs> yeah i think Braden actually gave me uh an interesting tip or, or idea something he does when he wants to get some content from a particular department and there's no one really there that's kind of raising their hand saying i want to put my thoughts and feelings out on mm-hmm. this platform uh he'll go sit down with them kind of interview them and then he'll kind of write up a story for them mm-hmm. and he's obviously on the branding side that's what he likes to do yeah. so it's uh it, that is kind of an interesting way to go about it where it's um i think sometimes you think like oh i'm a branding person i need to come up with ideas i need to come up with all this stuff sometimes mm-hmm. you just gotta go ask someone else yeah and Braden does an awesome job at at that yeah. um yeah we we started something similar where we were asking um people from the erg that we were a part of to like write these blog posts and it was really intimidating i wrote one um and then some of the other kind of like co-chairs whatever you want to call us we were like the organizers of it all um they all ended up just writing them but at first he he did propose that idea um and it's an awesome way to get input from lots of different people Mm. um what i think is awesome about HubSpot is there's so many people that are like volunteering and willing to do that. I think when you have the people actually willing to write that, it just shows how important it is to them um, or, or record that video or be on that podcast. Like it's because they believe in HubSpot. They're willing to put their name on it, like put their stamp of approval. So I think that's one thing that's really cool about HubSpot. Yeah, I think there's a... Um you know, we like built this tool and the platform we have at next wave, which is kind of employee advocacy allows people to create posts and, and share it. Um, but I think the ideal world that you're always, or ideal state that you want to be in is your employees feel strongly about the things that you have and they want to share it on their own. You don't need to like ask them to go share these things or, or be involved in these kind of groups and stuff like that. You know, it's they're they want to go do it themselves. Yeah. That's like the, uh, like the whole flywheel concept of like our customers our candidates our employees our former employees our current employees our prospective employees like they're all removing that friction so that Mm. the flywheel can spin faster so yeah that might be too specific to hubspot but um i think it's an awesome way of looking at it you just mentioned former employees um interested to hear like do you guys have a program to kind of keep them engaged, talking, all that kind of stuff? Yes, the alumni. Um, we do. We we think of them as alumni, um, people that have formerly left HubSpot. Um, they come on site pretty often. Some of them are now our customers, um, but I do believe they do like an alumni li- an alumni night type of thing where they'll like invite them back. Um, we definitely have ones that are current customers. Um, that work at different companies and have partnered with HubSpot. Um, so yeah, we we definitely like to keep them as part of the family, which yeah, is that's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I think they like being part of it too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I think you know people leave jobs for a zillion different reasons. Um, sometimes maybe they've just been here for twelve years, like they want to go somewhere else. <laughs> like that's normal. Um, yeah. I think we we brought up you know alumni just from talking about the flywheel, but kind of changing the thinking as recruiters on like this is my funnel so this is who's at the top of my funnel and this is how many people I have to talk to to get to you know a hire it's like no think about every single person that you talk to as spinning that flywheel and maybe you end up rejecting them but maybe they still tell their friends they had a good conversation with you um 
HubSpot's for sure my dream company, but there was maybe another company that was probably <laughs> tied. And I had the most horrific recruiter phone screen interview experience that there's no chance I will ever, even if I end up staying with HubSpot for 25 years and decide that I want to change it up in 25 years, I I can't imagine myself interviewing there again. It was wow. the least human experience from an interview perspective and I it changed everything that I think about that company and I, I since have had conversations like oh we are in process with them like just fair warning this was my experience yeah. um whereas you know I I, would, I could never say anything bad about my experience interviewing here yeah that's an, an important takeaway I think because um yeah I mean I think we've all had bad experiences somewhere and you know you're obviously willing to talk about those um you know, and, and I think that there is a way to, you see those uh, sometimes on Glassdoor. I mean, I think everyone can kind of, I'm not a huge Glassdoor fan, to be honest, but you can read through some of those comments. And I think that, um, you know, there are people that like, didn't, you know, it's like, didn't get the interview, but they had a great positive experience. Like that to me is worth more than someone who got the job, who's been working there for three months and had a great experience, you know? Yeah. It, you kind of just made me think of something else, but um, HubSpot sends uh, like a net promoter survey, okay. net promoter score survey. I don't know exactly what it's called, an NPS survey mm-hmm. um, to any candidate that speaks with a recruiter. Um, and they ask for notes and I was, they actually just sent it out to all the recruiters today. It's obviously anonymous, so you don't know who is writing what, but yeah. you do know what role, like what department they interviewed and if they were hired or rejected um and then you see the notes and i think honestly a majority of the notes that i read today luckily for me they were all positive but a majority of them were people that i had rejected um so yeah like i hope those people come back you know what i mean like we always reconsider people um yeah there's a lot that goes into like hiring it's not just hits xyz when you reject someone are you that you've already talked to are you making a phone call or i would love your advice on this i was just talking about this today i feel like it's one of those things i can't figure out the right way to do it so in the past i've done i think i've done it in all different ways um i've called people out of the blue and been like hey you got the job hey you didn't get the job some people like that some people hate that Mm -hmm. i have emailed people in advance and said hey let's schedule a call and then i tell them one way or the other usually if they don't get the job they're like well why didn't you just email me so i've tried just emailing and then sometimes you hear all i got was an email response so i would love your input on that i don't know what the right way to do it is i think i'm constantly trying to figure that out i was asking selfishly because i have the same (laughs) struggle i've i you know i had someone uh that i ended up having a call was kind of later on a friday and they were like yeah gee thanks for ruining my weekend kind of thing and i was just like yeah i guess i could have ruined it through an email and not have had to feel this way after you said that but you know so i think like after the dust settles i think that maybe the the impact of a phone call is better but from a recruiter standpoint, knowing sometimes the volume and it's hard enough to schedule the regular phone screens <laughs> yeah. for active candidates. Never mind to like close them all out personally, you know. Yeah. So it's like a whole day of rejecting. Yeah, or making that offers. doesn't feel good. It's not. Um, I think we d- tend to shy away from things that we don't feel good doing too, yeah. right? You know, you want to make offers. Like that's the best part when you connect someone yeah. with the job, right? That's what I want all candidates to understand: is my only goal is for you to get a job. Yeah, like. I- 
I want you to get this job. It's breaking my heart to tell you that you're not getting it Mm. because that means I'm not hitting my goals. That means my company's not hitting their goals. That means like we're all falling behind. So I never, ever want to be the bearer of bad news. It's for sure probably my least favorite part of the job yeah. is the rejection piece but sure. um yeah no i i had a similar interaction to you where um you know i had a candidate that i knew i wasn't going to be making an offer to so i made the decision to wait till monday and not ruin that person's weekend and that's not my decision to make mm. um i should have followed up with that person the second i knew what the decision was um and i learned from that mistake and what i've been doing as of recently is i have been sending so this part like you know i think you have to gauge your audience like it depends on like who is the candidate like what are they interviewing for what has the process been like up to this point um but you know for super high volume what i've been trying to do is send an email with a link to my calendar and say i would be happy to give you more specific detailed feedback find some time on my calendar so that if they do want the option of hearing what they could have done better or what you know, where they fell short that I can give that. But if they don't care, which some people don't care and that's totally fine. Um, (laughs) I'm sure you're mad that you didn't get the job. I'm mad that you didn't get the job. So yeah, that seems like a happy medium there where, you know, maybe you send email, but you're offering up the, yeah. Again, I think it goes back to like using your technology to the advantage. So linking into your calendar directly, let people find time on your calendar. Yeah. Put it out in 15 minute slots. It shouldn't take much longer than that. Is that how you, will set up initial phone screens through a link with my calendar yeah 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 okay Mm -hmm. um i mean greenhouse has that function so you can like you can connect your calendar to greenhouse and then select times that you're available and shoot it off um i think that's the best way to do it it's way less back and forth yeah anytime i'm talking to somebody on linkedin i I usually just say like hey what's your email i'm just going to send you a link to my calendar um i think there's probably a way to do that on linkedin as well but you know, we're going to keep the conversation going. So let's get off LinkedIn. <laughs> like, let's go to email, you know? Yeah, totally. And there's a bunch of other free tools if you don't have like Greenhouse and it's not in your ATS, which I think generally speaking, most ATS will have that. But yeah. um, there's other stuff out there you can Calendly and Calendly, yeah. Mixmax, um, I think, does it. Yeah, there's, there's tons of options. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I wanted to ask you was about your current team. So are you guys hiring for your team right now? Recruiters? Yeah, for recruiters. We're, I don't believe we're hiring for recruiters right now. Uh, Not in engineering, at least. Um, We are um, hiring a recruiting coordinator right now. So I think that's a fantastic way to get into recruiting. Um, Learn the coordination part. That is one of the hardest parts of recruiting is the coordination piece. (laughs) Honestly, it's a whole job in its own. Um, And then figuring out from there, like what teams do you like supporting how are you going to learn and grow? Um, so yeah, we we do have a recruiting coordinator position open because our lovely recruiting coordinator, I love her so much. I'm so nervous for her to leave. Um, she is making an internal move and she's going to the product employee experience team. Oh, okay. Product experience, something like that. Um, she's going to employee experience. Uh, so she'll be working on that team and we're going to backfill her. Um but yeah, I mean, check out HubSpot.com slash careers. I'm positive there's job postings up there that someone will like and apply and will reach out. Yeah. So the, got a little bit of advice on your process of how you kind of like worked here. What would you give any, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to apply for that recruiting coordinator role? I think it, there's a lot that actually goes into what you put on your resume. Um, 
have lots of people look at your resume that are in different roles. I think that is a really good place to start. It helps resumes too, but like use as much data as you can. Just like lead with the data. I mean, I would say the same thing to anybody who wants to be a a better recruiter. It's what I think I'm doing right now to become a better recruiter is using more data. Um, Can you give me an example of that in terms of resume? um, I think, yeah, putting uh, specific numbers on your resume. If you're applying for a recruiter position, you know, I worked at X company as a recruiter and on your bullet point, say I grew headcount X percent in this quarter or, you know, whatever the the data is, put yeah. it on there. Um, you don't have to put on your resume if you're a recruiter that you screen resumes because that's what recruiters do. So <laughs> like you can talk about that stuff. You know what I mean? Like put the stuff that's going to make you stand out from every other recruiter that's applying for the job. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the same for engineers, the same for any role. Uh, and then I, another piece of advice that I always give people that are going into interviews is that I genuinely believe that what can make a good interview a great interview is a really good storyteller. Um, so I always try to prepare people to think about typical interview questions you get asked, right? Like a lot of them are similar or, or can be relatable in some mm. way, like Think about what was the situation. Give some context, right? Tell us what you were asked to do. Tell us how you went about doing it and what was the result of all of that. Um, sticking to like that kind of storytelling mm. framework, I think, really makes good interviews great interviews, especially when you're doing, you know, maybe high volume recruiting. Like you you need something to stand out, tell a really great story um, and be really honest transparent <laughs> vulnerable tell us about when you made mistakes uh follow that up with how you learned from it i think all of those things can really help um somebody stand out in the process i had a friend reach out asking about just like different interview questions to ask do you have a favorite question to ask or one that maybe someone might expect to see on a an interview yes so hubspot has uh this acronym heart Humble, empathetic, adaptable, remarkable, and transparent. Sort of like what makes a great HubSpotter. Um, we were recently in a recruiting training talking about how do you like test for heart, like if somebody has heart. Um, and I actually said something that I felt pretty dumb about. Where I was like, I don't think you can. Um, and somebody kind of pointed me in the direction of like, yes, you can. And, and here's how. And it's become one of my favorite questions as of the last month or so. But tell me about a time you made somebody else look brilliant. I love that question because you can be really transparent. Like you would have to be adaptable. You might have to be remarkable, but also in the way that you tell that story, like you're showing some humility or you, mm. you might be showing some empathy. And uh, I think that question can get a lot out of a person. I also think you, this is much more of like a common interview question, but talking about times that you've made mistakes or been told you were wrong or a time that you failed at something, I think that's when like the storytelling part is really effective. Mm. Um, and having a good story around things like that is a great way to answer those questions. Where can people find you if they wanted to maybe learn more about HubSpot or if they see a position that they want to talk to you about? Yeah, I'm always on LinkedIn. So I think that's the best place to start for me. Um, send me a message on LinkedIn or check out hubspot.com slash careers. Apply for a role and we'll reach out. This is living proof that you do respond to messages on LinkedIn. We so. do. Yeah, that's how I met you. But <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, what I would add is is um, 
don't not apply for this role because you don't think you hit every single thing. We want to see people that come from different backgrounds. I've been here since August of 2019. So it's like, what, almost six months now? Um, I've seen people get hired that were previously teachers, musicians, artists, people that have come out of boot camps, people that have just graduated with their PhDs. I've seen the returner program in action. So the returners program is people that maybe have left the workforce for an extended period of time that want to come back to a full-time job. I've seen those people be successful. I've seen veterans at HubSpot be successful. I've seen parents at HubSpot. The LGBTQIA community is incredible here. People of color at HubSpot is a huge program that we have. So I think, you know, also going back to like, how do you find a company that you're going to settle with long-term, like look at those things and, most of them are going to tell most companies are going to tell you they have them and they believe in them um get proof uh, and hubspot absolutely has those people here and they're incredibly successful so um no matter what your background is apply to a position at hubspot and we will try and find a home for you awesome well thank you so much for your time i appreciate it thank you ryan it was so nice to finally meet you yeah <laughs> i appreciate it thank you for listening to this episode of the talent bubble if you found this conversation interesting, please share it with your friends and colleagues and visit our website at thetalentbubble.com. Enjoy your day and be well. <laughs>